0: Hi friends, I am so glad that you're here. I'm your host, Erin Cusio, and this is Room for Lovely. Each week, we'll bring you real conversations with real people where we'll chat about the fun things in life and the hard things in life, remembering that there is room for both. And while not all of life is lovely, there is room for loveliness in every single season. When I was a little girl, our family's heritage ran strong. Everyday memories of simple things that were woven through the fabric of who we were becoming. But it wasn't until I was older that I really got it. When I was just out of high school, I spent a summer at a college in Nova Scotia, where many of my ancestors were from. I walked the cemetery across from our campus and saw familiar names on tombstones thousands of miles away from my home. I walked the ground of a historical site that was instrumental in the legacy of my ancestors and found myself suddenly much more emotionally invested in the history of my family. Seeing it, experiencing it, hearing the stories, it all changed things. My guest today is Svetka Popov. Svetka moved with her family to the States when she was just a little girl in search of religious freedom. Many parts of her story were left behind in the USSR. But as an adult, something happened that changed everything, and Svetka began uncovering a beautiful and brutal legacy of generations before. This is Svetka's story. Welcome, Spetka. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to get to talk to you. You and I have been online friends for quite some time um, via some mutual connections and things. And I'm just really excited to dive into your star- story. Before we start, would you take a moment and just tell us a little bit about your day to day life, who you are and what you do?
1: First of all, Aaron, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on here. I am an entrepreneur. I am a mom, a wife. Um, so my day is kind of different. I'm, also, I'm a podcaster. I'm in the middle of writing a book right now. So my life looks a little bit different than it did a couple years ago. Um, I, we run a business remotely right now. So um, yeah, that's a little bit, little gist of who I am. Yes, always
0: busy though it sounds. Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned a lot about an inciting incident in your life and I want to dig into that in just a moment, but the whole story kind of revolves around your family and your family's history and I would love if for just a moment you would tell us a little bit about what you knew of your family's history before the inciting incident and then we can kind of dig into how that inciting incident changed what you knew about your family's history.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, growing up, like most of us, we hear our grandparents share stories about their lives or their past, you know, and I think as a kid, it doesn't resonate with you as much. As it does when you're an adult and you have your own kids and you're, you have a very different perspective in life. So I knew that my grandmother went through starvation period. I knew that she was persecuted for her faith. Um, I remember my grandmother would literally take crumbs off the table and eat them. Like, and to me that was really weird, especially when we were in the states. Like, we have bread. Like, you don't need to eat the crumbs off the table. So there was a there was a lot of things that um, were kind of obvious, and she shared some of that with us. But I think it's just more of like not really paying attention. And not really understanding the significance of what they've been through. And same thing for my mom. I knew that they were raised in an underground church, like they couldn't openly have their faith or, or get gathered together. So they had to do it underground in very creative ways. One of the reasons that my family moved to the States was for religious freedoms. So for me, I knew that I was one of the lucky ones to live in this country where we have liberties that are not. In a lot of places in this world even today especially not the way they were in communist ussr for me i knew some of these parts but i feel like i didn't really understand them or i didn't it never really sunk in because there was no contrast to compare it with until i learned so much more
0: (laughs) yes yes so just to clarify for everyone your family was from what part of the world So I was born in Taganrog, Russia,
1: which, um, and then my family actually moved to Ukraine. So I lived in both in Russia and in Ukraine. And my grandmother also was born in Ukraine, and then she lived in Russia. Her family moved during the starvation period, where um, the whole, you know, the Ukraine, everybody was like starved. So they moved to the city of Taganrog to have a better opportunity
0: for survival. So how old were you when you guys moved to the states? I was eight years old. Okay. Wow. So yes, definitely not fully aware probably of all of the intricacies of everything that was going on in your family story, but then the inciting incident happened. So can you tell us a little bit about what happened and how that kind of changed everything for you?
1: Yeah. um, The other thing I want to mention before we go into the inciting incident is that when I moved to the States- the last thing I wanted to do was look back, you know, be identified as an immigrant, as either a Russian or Ukrainian, however you want to put it. And so for me... I just wanted to strive forward to like build a future, to become who I am in a sense. And so that was the other part that I just wanted to kind of cover that up or really just not have to think about it because I didn't want to be labeled. I didn't want to be put in the box just because I was different based on where I came from or my family was from. But the inciting incident was really when my mom um, was dying from cancer. So it was her third round of breast cancer. I remember realizing that this was going to be it. Like she was not going to make it um and we were praying believing for a miracle and in that moment i remember thinking oh my gosh i don't really i didn't get a chance to really get to know my mom like the way that i would want to know her knowing that this is it i remember scrambling and like literally googling questions you can ask and just because i didn't have the time to even like come up with them i wanted to know her story but it really was too late i tried to ask a question or two and she was just on a morphine and just it was it was too late and so when she passed i resolved to get to know her story. But to get to know her story, I had to learn my grandmother's story. And to get to know that, I had to understand it in the context of history, which is the communist of USSR and what it was like for them to live in a place where their values and their beliefs were completely illegal. They were counterculture. And it's something that you were mocked uh, for and uh, you were persecuted for to the highest extent in my grandmother's time, it was death or a gulag where you were sent off and not allowed to be
0: part of the society. So in digging into your family's history and the historical context of everything, what for you in kind of floating along with some surface level knowledge of your family story, what really was the most awakening knowledge that you gained out of digging in?
1: I think it's the price that was paid for me to be here. I think that you know, we can kind of in our minds understand that we live in a wonderful country and it's not perfect by any means, but we live in a place where you can wake up and worship a religion of any choice. You can make up your religion if you want to really. You can open a business anytime you want. So we have so many freedoms. As I learn their stories and learn what they went through and the price that they paid for A, for me to have my faith, For me to be in this country today it's so profound that and it really it's it's kind of heavy in a way actually because you think like wow if this is what they did in order to keep their faith if this is what they did to give me the freedoms that i have today i don't deserve to be here today i think that was kind of the echoing and the um pattern is like i don't deserve to be here because i didn't do anything to earn this Of course, I work hard, you know, um, my husband, and I grew a business and all of that. There's people that work hard in different parts of the world, and they don't have the opportunities that I have. There's people that, you know, believe in God, but they can't worship openly like I can. What makes me any better? What makes me any different? So I think having that understanding is really uh, makes you look at life very differently and makes you value the way that you want to live your life, because that's the legacy that they left from me. So it's like, what legacy am I going to live? leave for my family and the people coming after me.
0: I think you're absolutely right that so often, especially those maybe who were born here in America, we come from several generations who maybe also were here in America, we don't always realize and we treat our freedoms with a lot of flippancy and just not really appreciating all that we've been blessed with. For you, as you do continue on and view the legacy that you hope to leave for your kids, how has that changed things in your interaction with your kids and the things that you want them to understand you know, for me, I'm still processing so
1: much of that as I'm writing the book and I'm not at the end of the book yet. <laughs> but really, I think it's like under it's knowing that back to the price that was paid. So for me, I want to pass my faith on to my kids. I want to make sure that I'm intentional in them knowing these stories too, knowing this is the legacy of their ancestors for them to have a different value and place a different value on their freedoms and not be kids who are entitled in this country. And so that's some of the ways and also being intentional in the way that we spend time together, intentional in our faith, the way that we serve and looking at how do we live our lives? That's not just about us and our immediate family, but it's also that we're living for
0: the benefit of other people. I think that as you kind of went down this road and started looking for answers about your mother and your grandmother, this led to so many more discoveries and so many interactions with other people, not only from a learning perspective, but an educational perspective. You've had the opportunity to do both, speak to people who have been in that situation, who are still able to tell their story, and then go on to educate others about this historical event and how it affected everything. Can you tell us a little bit about what you learned and what you're able to impart I learned the history, which
1: I didn't care to learn before that, which, you know, it's kind of when I interview some of these people from Russia, Ukraine, and China, and understand what was it like for them being in a place that they worshiped God, yet they knew the consequences could be, you can get shot for it. You can go to prison for it. You can be sent to Siberian Gulag for it. What was going through their minds and how were they so just willing to die for what they believed, you know? And I think I, for me, I didn't learn that until I, my mom passed. And so it's kind of, and some of these people that I interviewed, they were like, well, don't you know this stuff? And I'm like, no, I didn't. Unfortunately, I did not. You know, I didn't care to know the history because I just wanted to be an American. I wanted to be to belong and to be accepted. And so it was for the first time that I really took a look back at history. And uh, as I learned that, it was shocking to me how people were against each other, even in their own neighborhoods, you know. And a lot of it came from the government having full censorship and control over all the outlets of the media, what people heard and people believed. People believed that uh, people who were Christian, people who were who believed in God were... A mentally handicapped, that um, you know they were not they weren't well, and they said really horrible things about them um, within even you know what they do in homes. So they spread a lot of rumors and things that made them really look crazy if you believed it. And so for me, learning the history, learning um, how they were persecuted, and it wasn't just the Christians that were persecuted; it was also anyone who believed any differently. So artists, you know, uh, writers who had creative minds, they were also shut down because you weren't allowed to do anything other than what your government was essentially wanting you to be part of, which was communist ideals. And communism is very much atheist. You can't have a God because communist is the God. Learning that, I would go into schools and ask people if they know anything about communist or persecution of people who, you know, were believers. And usually the answer is no. And I'm not surprised because, you know, even myself, I didn't know as much as I know now, because I'm digging in. So yeah, it's very interesting to share that with students and with kids, especially this younger generation, you know, where there's not a lot of history that um, is dug up, especially that type of history. So I think it's important for us
0: to know the history so that we don't repeat the history. Mm, Absolutely. I want to go back just a bit to what you talked about in interviewing some of these native Russians and Ukrainians and how they were so willing to stand up for their faith. And then when you began talking about the persecution that people um, are experiencing because of that, it really reminded me in some ways of modern day society. I mean, people sometimes are canceled for speaking out against the popular belief or the majority belief. But what I'm seeing is a definite hesitancy to stand up for our faith or to stand up and speak out against what is the cultural norm. So what can you pinpoint as the driving force of the courage or the bravery of these people who were willing even to die for what they believed in? Yeah, that's a really good question.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, there's multiple factors. I feel like that was one of the things that I really wanted to know. Like, would I have the courage if someone knocked on my door and said, you're arrested for your faith? And unless you deny your faith um, and become what we want you to become. You will not go home and we're going to send you to a re-educational camp in, you know, somewhere like overseas or whatever. Like for them, it was Siberia. Would I be strong enough to believe that? And I think when I asked them those questions, it was, you know, they said that there was no choice. Like you couldn't be, you had to be black and white. You either believed in God and you were willing to die for what you believe or you don't because you you can't be in the middle, there wasn't a middle ground, Um, because it was very much extreme, like you either were gathering still, even though it was legal, you were still reading your Bible, even though you weren't allowed to have it in your home, or you weren't. And it was some of the things I identified was it was rooted in the community that they had around them. So people that believed together. So there was a strong sense of community. Um, they had a very strong reverence for prayer and for uh, their spiritual life. Uh, reading the Word of God was another really, really huge emphasis. A lot of them memorized scriptures. They really made it a point to know the word so even if they were taken and arrested they could recite what they knew and they had something to go back on and even some of them when they were in prisons or they were in these labor camps they could rewrite the word of god In and then pass it out. Like my grandmother, when she was in the Siberian Gulag, she would write the scriptures and pass it on. And even though that was even a further offense, you know, that could get you shot, I've asked one of them, I said, weren't you guys scared? Like, were you not afraid? And they said, no, those were exciting times. Like, and to me, that was like, you must not be telling me the truth. Can you, can I, can I repeat the question again? Were you scared? Was it, you know, and they said, no, you don't understand. Like for us, It actually, the church grew all the more because there was persecution, because it sifted out all the people who were kind of unsure or weren't
0: willing to stand. So the people that were, they were willing to go as far as death for their faith. That is an incredible legacy um, of so many people. And that whole discovery for you has kind of launched A very different path that I don't know if you envisioned yourself taking before, but you now have a podcast um, called The Ones Who Dared, where you interview people who have brave and courageous stories. How has that been um, an avenue of importance for you in telling other people's stories?
1: Yeah, I don't think I would have taken this route. Honestly, I never imagined myself writing anything about anything to do with my history of, you know, my ancestors or Russian, communist, uh, all those keywords are not something that I never ever wanted to be associated with, just because, again, I wanted to be my own person and, you know, be belong and all of that. But um with the platform i feel like as i was learning my grandmother's story of courage i was learning all these other people's stories of courage it was like what's the common denominator you know why and i think when we hear stories of courage the reason that i wanted my podcast to focus on elevating courage is that you know we all go through some form of suffering like none of us in this life by the time we reach adulthood go without some form of trauma right and different levels so we all experience suffering to some degree But when we hear testimonies of people who have overcame hardships, then we can say, okay, if this person did that, then maybe I can overcome the the hard in my life right now. You know, so it's encouraging for me even because I remember reading my grandmother's letter that she left me of her entire story when COVID hit and we were in, um, somewhere in the blue mountains of either Tennessee or, or in that area. I remember getting the call from a manager cause we took a spring break trip and our manager was like, you know, we have to shut down the store. Everything's shutting down. And I was reading her letter and my husband was freaking out because you know, we're all like, what's going to happen. We can lose everything we have. And as I was reading her story and all that she's been through, through the Nazi concentration camp, through the arrest of the KGB because of her faith and reading a censored book, Through her being in Siberia, her faith, I thought, you know, if we lose everything and are back at zero, that's okay. Because if she was able to endure all that, then I'm going to make it in my life. I'm going to make it in my story. So for me, that was a huge encouragement. And I think that's what I want to offer people is that, you know, for them to look at their life and their story and see other people's stories who are courageous, who have done things, and say, you know, if these people have done that, then I can continue on to believe the best for my future and for my story. And in my grandmother's story, faith was such a huge aspect of that where you know God was the reason that she survived. He was her hope and her future. And same thing for my mom. My mom was also arrested by the KGB for gathering you know, and for her in the same way, she was also able to be courageous and not give them the information that they were seeking, such as where are your friends gathering? Give us that information. And, and she didn't say anything. So having that legacy of courage makes me want to be like, okay, if they did that, I can be courageous in my story. And even though I wanted to have nothing to do with those keywords, like I said, I can have the courage to be in a platform, even though that's the last thing I wanted to do and and share these stories because if they were
0: able to do that, the least I can do is share It sounds like you know when you were talking about being a little girl and moving over here and just really wanting to distance yourself as much as possible from everything about the past, there was almost an undertone of. I could call it shame, you know, just being almost ashamed of, I don't want to be known as, you know, an immigrant or any of those things. But now I feel such a pride in your voice when I hear you talk about your family and all that they endured. What are you most proud of about your story?
1: I think I'm most proud of the courage that they had and that they were willing to stand in the face of such adversity. Because to imagine my grandmother in an interrogation room uh, by the KGB and the fact that, She wasn't willing to bow down to what was asked of her, which is to deny who she was, you know, deny what she believed. And same thing with my mom, as I just mentioned. And so I think knowing that, yes, there's a stigma with my background, you know, there's a stigma with being an immigrant, but at the same time, and and there's reasons why didn't want to be that, because even in school, people are like, oh, you're a Russian spy, you know, and things like that. And so there's people that are like, go back to where you came from and all of that. So there's a sense of bullying that most people go through if they're different in some form. Right. But I, I think I'm so proud of my history and the people that came before me that I am willing to share it now.
0: And I'm willing to say, you know, I think their story is worth sharing. I am so grateful for your story and for your courage to tell it, because I do think it's so important and so inspiring for so many people who maybe have become complacent in their faith or complacent in their willingness to stand up for what really matters. And when we hear of people like that who have stood... On generations of bravery, it's really just compelling to make you want to stand up and do the right thing as well. So I'm really grateful for your courage um, in leading the charge in a new generation. I think it's so very important. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, before we go, I have two questions that I always like to end with. And the first is I think so often we get tied up in the labels that are put on us. We're a wife, we're a mom, we're a business owner. But if we just bared it all, what is your favorite thing about yourself? Wow, that's a really good question. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: hmm, I would say
1: I love that now I'm able to fully accept myself for who I am. And so I think for me, it's loving myself as I am and not wanting me to be different you know, because I think that's a struggle for a lot of us as we compare ourselves and we want to be like, you know, in some ways we feel like other people are better. I think I'm in a season of life where I love who I am and not in a prideful way, but in a way of I'm grateful, you
0: know, who God created me to be and the things that he instilled in me. So I think that is something that we all need to arrive at and learn from. So that's an excellent thing. The second one is tell me something good Um, in your life right now, big or small. What's good? A lot of things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm so I'm grateful for so much. I'm grateful for the community that I have around me. I think that's a really huge thing. You know, I have a lot of people who are supporting me on this journey of growing and uh, stepping into you know, this new territory. And uh, so, yeah, I think I'm really thankful for a really supportive faith community of people who pray for me when I need that, who encourage me when I feel down, because, you know, not every day is a high day, right? We have highs and lows. So when you hit those lows, I have people who uh, remind me why I'm here and who I
0: am. Well, friend, I am so glad you made it here today. Thank you for listening and being part of the Room for Lovely community. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be honored if you took a few moments to leave a rating or review or share the link with a friend. This helps others to find their way here and it means more to me than you could ever know. This week, my conversation with Svetka inspired me to continue to create a posture of gratitude. We are blessed with so many freedoms here in this country and our lives are easy in comparison to so many around the world. But also, it reminded me to stay curious. How much could we learn from others if we took the time to investigate and listen to their stories? Even when our stories may not align perfectly, there is so much to be learned from other people and what they've been through. When we take an approach of listening to understand, rather than speaking to be understood, we make way to learn more about those around us and the hardships and victories that they've experienced. Because of that, we can walk into our own hardships and toward victory with fresh perspective and that will make some room for Lovely.